for helping me get this ready. Because you love Easter. <laughs> Who doesn't love Easter, am I right? Yeah, that's true. But, if you think about it, leading up to that first Easter, Jesus had a pretty rough. Thank you for this day. Thank you for all that it means. Thank you for your Son, our risen Savior. I pray right now, Father, that you would come and abide in this place. You would fill our hearts and minds. You would create in us an expectation that we will meet with you here this morning, that we will encounter the risen Jesus, and we will leave changed for having been in his presence. 
Fill us with the Holy Spirit, Father. Prepare us in heart and mind. Give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Give us minds to understand. Father, help us now to worship you and you alone. Put aside all of your distractions and focus all that we have on all that you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
stuff, but the doctors feel like they've got it well in hand, but what's putting down is the temporal wounds, and there's a recovery, and so we just want to pray, God send your hand of recovery, and your marriage will have a tomorrow, and you're not as serious as the last one that you had on your neck, praise God, and uh, hopefully this kind of cheer will lead to uh, seeing a whole lot better than you have right now, and uh, we want to continue to pray for God. Celebrate with joy the day of the Lord your resurrection, may, by your life-giving Spirit, be delivered from sin and raised from death through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. this together. This is actually our text for the message this morning. Kind of a little preview. And it comes from uh, the 28th chapter of Matthew. Uh, read with me, please. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you see Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. 
Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. All right, this is a new one. Should be fairly easy to pick up, although it's going to check out.
central message of what we want to share about the good news of Jesus Christ, but there's a lot of anticipation wrapped up in it. Um, uh, 
some, some strange emotion that, that at least I deal with. I can't really speak for anyone else, but I, I hear hints of it from other people's writings and thoughts. And uh, it's, I just want to put a super encouraging seed for this morning. That, that the seed of patience that can speak with you and share with you in scripture. Uh, we have, at Christ Community Church, we have done a wide range. So 
went down to visit uh, family in Nevada, and so she was out this week, and uh, Karen as well was out visiting church kids in Washington as we were in Houston, Holiday Inn, hanging out with them, but Stephen had time, he was gracious, came in to play bass guitar against this morning, which I always love, because you don't get to do that a whole lot anymore. But he comes in, he's been practicing this week on the music that I sent him, and we sit down and his bass doesn't work. set up a pre-service YouTube link that no one else can see, so that Sam, who's in the office over there, can, can fiddle with the sound that everybody hears on the live stream and make sure it sounds pretty decent. And it's doing a great job, by the way. Amen. Thank you for Sam. And everything went great. We stopped our pre-service rehearsal. We're like, we have like a, hey, five minutes to go. Yeah, hit the five-minute button. Five-minute button goes. And then Vicki, who's back here, and there's my mother-in-law, for those who don't know, Vicki's back here on the streaming deck, and she goes, hey, it's not working. <laughs> Perfect. Five minutes to go. And then we got a ten-minute update, and that's why it wasn't working. So it's been that kind of a morning. Hopefully my iPad will last about 15 minutes. If you would like to go with me, I would love to. Chapter 28, verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary, went to see the tomb. Tomb of St. Joseph, home of Joseph and Mary. And behold, there was a great earthquake, and an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, and came and rolled back the stone, and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow, and for fear of him the guards trembled and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. And let's just stop right there. This is to me, it, when I first see it, is like, <laughs> and it's, it's like some of those videos we see of, of late, people like down in uh, Katmai on the beach or whatever, and there's a guide with them, and there's a giant grizzly bear walking four feet from them. And yeah, I mean, we're Alaskans, and I don't know how many of you are, are new, but Alaskans, we're like, okay, all right, yeah, everybody be calm. And on the exterior, most of us have learned to discipline ourselves to be calm. But I don't know about you, but on the inside, it's not calm when that happens. Uh, we had an event uh, several years ago with uh, both boys and a cousin. We were down at, uh, well, it's really good, up at the Eagle River Nature Center. And uh, on the way back, our nephew, Ben, who's been with us here before, was so excited because he wanted very badly to see a bear with his own eyeballs. <laughs> look, look, I totally get it. When I go to Arizona, uh, when I would go down to visit Dad and hopefully one of these days go to visit Bonnie, I don't know if she's watching this today, but love you, Bonnie. She's doing really well. She's very close to me. She's got my car and drives and stuff, and she's on the lead. An independent woman, and that would be great. But uh, I go down and look for snakes. Like, I go look for them, right? I don't want to get near them. I just want to see them with my eyeballs. And it's fun until you get bit, which is kind of how it works with bears. It's all fun and games until you get bitten by one. I've had two friends who've been mauled by bears. Praise God, they both survived. Uh, absolutely miraculous stories. And uh, it's, it's awful, right? But Ben, he, he wants to see a bear, and I get it. It's the Alaska experience. We saw a moose on the uh, side of the highway browsing this morning, and, and when I've lived here for 50 years now, Stephen was born and raised here, and we said, well, hey, look, there's a moose. So you can imagine people who come from out of state. They're excited. And so we're walking through the path, and it's a fairly wide path if you've been there, but it's, it's still very foresty. It's Alaskan. And he's gone on ahead of us, and he goes, where are you going? He says, bam. So we come around the corner, and sure enough, there's a black bear, probably 75, 80 yards, maybe 100 yards from us, up in the trees. And we're like, okay, this 
is a nice distance from which to see a bear. Except as we're watching, we notice the bushes in front of us start to move, and then this little cub sticks his head out about six feet away from us. And now the rules have changed. <laughs> and it's very exciting. And, and we're a group of, I think we're a group of about six or seven, and then there were a couple other guys with us. One who turned out to be a bear biologist. I mean, that's fortunate, right? <laughs> Except that he was like double holstered uh, bear spray, and he's like, <laughs> like this, like, okay. The bear biologist is concerned. And he would not go away. And so while on the outside, we're all walking very casually, you know, nice kid. And the cubs coming with us. He's like, yeah, you guys are interesting. And gradually, mom is starting to make her way over. She's noticed the cub is interested in something. And then she's like, and then she starts barking and hopping. And I've had several encounters with bears with the teeth chopping thing, and it is means usually bad things are about to happen. So we just continued to make our way, and finally, finally, something that Mom said registered with Cub, and there were actually two of them, we discovered uh, shortly later. One was the adventurous one, the other was Sean, you know, behind Mom. You know. But inside is like a thunderstorm going on, just anticipating what's going to happen. And, and I want you to hear the language of this picture here. There's an angel at the tomb whose face shines like lightning. And there's just been a giant earthquake. And this massive stone in front of the tomb, the one you expected to be there, has rolled away. And they've come up on the scene. There's two grown men laying on the ground as if they're dead. And this guy with his brilliant garment and flaming face and flowing hair and booming voice is told to his face. <laughs> Makes perfect logical sense. Except that this word afraid in here is a little bit, I'm going to say it, I'm not a Greek scholar, it's a bad translation. That word, because we're going to, if you remember just a little bit later it says, and the women left filled with what? Fear and great awe. They're not the same words. The one over here where the women have fear is the word phobos, which means to be like, <laughs> like afraid. But this one over here that's translated afraid is kind of hard to wrap our brains around with our language, which is why it's translated afraid, because to translate it elsewise would take lots of words to communicate what it's trying to say here. But if you go and find that same word in the Greek and other places, you start to get an idea. The angel is addressing something very specific, and he actually gives us a hint to it in the rest of that phrase. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. And what he's implying there, what he's really saying, is it's just more, it's more robust in the original language. He's acknowledging that they have come to find Jesus, the Christ. But they're going to discover that he's gone. And he's telling them what that word afraid means. Don't have doubts about what you're about to see. Because everything about it is true. Don't doubt God. Don't doubt Jesus. Don't let that kind of not going to make human sense. And I don't want you to abandon the faith that you have in God. That's what that word afraid means in this text. And then he says, I know that you came here to find Jesus, but he's not here. He has risen. And then he says, now come and look at the place where Jesus is. Striking differences between some of the accounts. And just, just as a historical note, you might want to think, well, whose account is more accurate? A 
That's the point he's saying. And we do know that uh, Matthew's gospel was written probably in 50 or 60 A.D. So 30 years or less after the actual crucifixion and resurrection. So this is not this is not a historical account. This is a living testimony of a contemporary of the time who experienced these things together with the other witnesses. And so then we see that they they go and they, they see that Jesus is risen. They, they find the bed clothes folded up and, and put away nicely, and that he's not there. And they go and they tell the others what they see. So that's the story. I mean, that's the story of the resurrection. Some of the accounts give other details about uh, after the crucifixion and some graves were opened, after the resurrection, how many people uh, saw Jesus, and that's part of what I wanted to hear this morning. So if we go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 again, and we sometimes wrestle with the question of what is the gospel? This is what I delivered to you as of first importance with what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, meaning he fulfilled prophecy that this is what the Messiah would do, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. Now, let's stop there because he's going to, I want this next part to just really totally. gospel, the truth that Paul is communicating is he's saying, this is the same thing that was told to me. This is that Jesus lived, crucified for our sins, was buried, and that he rose again, and then he appeared to all of these people. And the list is impressive. If we just stopped at the story we told first, that's a great story, but it goes on so much more than that. And the reason this is important, this, this testimony of Paul is important, is because it reminds us not only of those 
saw Jesus with their own eyes after he was dead. But it also reminds us that our encounter with Christ because of the testimony of those who came before us just adds to this list of those who have seen Christ and experienced him in their life. This is why I always tell people that if you're trying to share the good news, share the gospel, tell the story of Jesus from the Bible, and then tell the story of Jesus from your life. Because that's how people see him. That's what they can Okay, so here we go. You ready? He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, meaning you could just go talk to them if you don't believe me, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Now Paul's referring to his encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He goes on to say here that what his job was at the time that this happened. But the reason he says to, to one untimely born is that he was born in such a way that he, he was taken astray from the truth of God and was really living in a really heinous, sinful, terrible person, even though he was born in the Lord's. So that's what he says. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles. Unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Meaning, literally, uh, Acts tells us that, that Paul was bringing Christians bound in chains to Jerusalem to be murdered because he opposed the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. All right, and here's the meat of preaching. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Now, this was a religious fight uh, with a certain group of people who just simply didn't believe there was anything such as bodily resurrection. They believe that Jesus' body was still stuffed away somewhere, but that his spirit was, which was in contradiction to all of those. I mean, somewhere, where, about 548 witnesses that, that Paul just described, who saw him physically in the flesh. Uh, the disciples sat on the beach and ate fish with him. Uh, I always think of, I always think of the movie uh, Beetlejuice. Uh, there's a scene where there's like those guys drinking. Same thing happens in the whole Pirates of the Caribbean. They, they hear some rum, ah, and it just falls out. Jesus wasn't like that. He was real. He was physical. He ate some fish, and it went to his belly. And more than 500 people witnessed this. But some still insisted there was no resurrection of the dead. So verse 15, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. We then are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if it's true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Now, there's a, it's going to be a little hard to follow that language there. But he, he's saying, listen, if Christ is not raised, you're making God out to be a liar even because we attributed the resurrection of Christ to God the Father. And if it's true that Jesus wasn't raised, then you're, telling, you're saying that God did something he didn't do, and that's, that's an offense. And then he goes back to, if your and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. And then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. 
good man, his teachings were great, and he could live fine with the rest of his great life, could live a good, moral, upstanding life, and be a kind person. But if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people the most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. who he said he was, because remember he said, Jesus did these things, these things happened in order to fulfill Scripture, because that's the prophecy of the Messiah. Only one person could fulfill all of those prophecies, and it's the Messiah, and Jesus did that. And then he said, not only that, but here's what happened with Jesus, here's what he did for us, dying for our sins, and then being resurrected to prove that he holds the keys to both death and life for all of eternity. He did those things, and he says it's a fact that he's been raised from the dead. The very first of his kind. That's what first fruits means. They're saying the word begotten. God's only begotten son. First of his kind. The first of those who would be raised again to new life. That is the gospel. That is the good news. If we, who are dead in sin, apart from Christ, are offered resurrection and life because of his life, his death, and his resurrection. And those who lived in the day, in the time that it happened, and witnessed it with their own eyes, said, This so much for the gift of your word, the way that it can teach, instruct, and inspire, correct. Thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the offer of salvation from our sins in the person of Jesus, in his sight. Lord, I pray today we claim the promise of the Word of God that says your Word never goes out and comes back empty. But there's a harvest that's been prepared as the seeds of this Word have gone out today. Lord, that those who hear it will be strengthened their resolve to follow you and be faithful to you will be deepened. Lord, that those who may be here for the first time will, will experience your peace, will be drawn to you, Lord, to move, to believe in and accept the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, the payment for their own sin.
with you or maybe if you got some at home